Good to see you this morning. Welcome. Couple things. Number one, this Wednesday is our last Bible study of the year. We will take December 20th and December 27th off and come back with a vengeance on January the 3rd. We're excited about that. We're going to do a 14-week study of the book of Zechariah beginning in the new year. We hope many of you will join us for a series on the coming kingdom and the coming king out of the book of Zechariah. Then, uh, two weeks from today is Christmas Eve. And just want to remind you all that that day there will be no morning service at the Oasis. We will just have one service that day, and that will be our Sunday evening Christmas Eve service. So next week, we've got a morning service. The 31st, New Year's Eve, we have our morning service. But no morning service on Christmas Eve, just the Christmas Eve candlelight service in the evening. All right? Everyone got that, right? Nobody will show up on Sunday morning, Christmas Eve, right? Nobody. All right, good. Jude chapter 1, verses 24 and 25, since there's only one chapter of Jude. Right before the book of Revelation, the last two verses, we finally come to the end of our series in the book of Jude. And when we come to these last couple of verses, we come face to face with a doxology. What is a doxology? It is simply a word of praise or blessing or adoration directed toward God. And it is absolutely unique in the New Testament because all the other books end with what we would call a benediction or a blessing that is directed from God to us. But here Jude turns the direction and now takes this adoration and this blessing and praise and takes it back towards God. Why does he end this way? Well, remember, this book has been about some very troubling, challenging things. Things that even we as believers are going to have to uniquely deal with in the last days in which we live on this earth before God dramatically intervenes. And Jude wants to remind us that when we focus on God, when we exalt God, when we worship God, we anchor ourselves. Let me repeat that. That's really important. Jude is reminding us in this doxology that is directed toward God that when we focus on God, when we exalt God, when we worship God, we in turn anchor ourselves. We establish ourselves. We are building for our life a settled and firm foundation. And that's why even many Christians lack that kind of a, an established life, that settled life, that firm foundation, because their focus of their life isn't God. Their life is not burning with a desire to exalt and glorify God. That's why Jude ends this book the way that he does. You see, in this short doxology, at the end of this great letter, 
we learn that Christians are always to praise God. It is to be part of our daily lifestyle. It's not something that we're just to do on Sunday morning or on Wednesday night when we gather together. It is something that we as believers are to do all the time. We are to bless the Lord. Now, in this doxology, there are five parts, and I'm going to spend just a few minutes on each part, but I'd like to give them all to you at one time, and then I'll repeat them when we go back through. The first part is we bless our God because he has the power to enable us to persevere. Second, by the way, if you're taking notes, we'll come back to these, so don't feel, oh, you went too fast. We bless our God, secondly, because he has the power to make us stand before him. Third, we bless our God because he is the only God and he is the only Savior. Fourth, we bless our God because all that we are and all that we have is only through Jesus Christ. And fifth, we bless our God because of his inherent worthiness. We bless him simply because he is God. See, that's what the whole worship service was about today, was reminding us that we just bless God because he is God. It is why here at the Oasis, we do not ever want the ministry of the word to compete against our time of worship and focusing and exalting and praising God because they should complement each other. As we go deeper in worship, it should drive us further into the word. And as we go deeper into the word, it should drive us further into worship. Well, look at verse 24. The first thing Jude says is that we bless our God because he has the power to enable us to persevere. He says, now to the one who is able to keep you from falling. By the way, I want to first even direct our attention to those words, the one who is able. Isn't it amazing and great and, and, and settling and encouraging to know that the God that we know, the God that we have a relationship, the God who has saved us and created us and one day we will be with for all of eternity is the God who is able? I hope you know that in your life. Because all through the Bible, that's what God reveals himself to be. I am the God who is able. Uh, Paul says in Romans 16, 25, he is able to strengthen us. Are you receiving the strength from the God who is able? And then in the book of Ephesians, chapter 3, verse 20, Paul tells us that our God is able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above all that we could ever ask or think through the power that is now working and operating within us through the Holy Spirit who lives within us, the God who is able. And specifically here in verse 24, Jude is telling us he is the God who is able to keep you from falling. It doesn't mean you and I will never sin. It doesn't mean you and I will never fail or never fall. The word that is used here is a word that speaks about one who falls and can't ever get back up. One who could never be restored. One who could never come back from that fall. No, Jude says, do you realize because we have God, 
that God is always able to get us back up again when we fall. And that our fall never has to be permanent. That's why we should bless God. Because there's not a person in here who has not failed or fallen and who will continue to fail or fall. And yet, because of God, God is able to reach down and to get us back up every time. Proverbs 24, verse 16, although a righteous person may fall seven times, and again, seven is used in the Bible as sort of a number that encompasses totality. In other words, over and over again, Proverbs 24, 16 says, they get back up every time. Because God enables us to get back up every time. Maybe you're here today and you've fallen or you've failed and you have yet to get back up, then you need to hear and be encouraged by this truth from God's word. God is able because he is the one who is able. We can't get back up and be restored and, and be re redeemed and, and remade and all of that on our own, but God can do it. We talked about this Wednesday night in our Bible study, how Peter is such an example to all of us of one that got a second chance, if you will, and was reestablished and refashioned and remade and reused again by God after he failed God so miserably when he denied him before his crucifixion. You know, and Peter was troubled by how badly he failed Jesus. And yet Jesus wanted to make sure that he had some one-on-one -on -one time with Peter after he resurrected. And he wanted to assure Peter that he loved him and that he still had great plans and a great purpose for him. And just because he failed, that wasn't the end for Peter. God had great things in store for Peter. And God wants you to know that even if you have failed and even if you have fallen, that's not the end. Let God be the one that defines your life and let him restore you again again, just like he did Peter. Because on that day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was poured out on God's people there in Jerusalem, who was it that stood up in front of thousands of people and preached a dynamic, extraordinary, and powerful message? It was Peter. It was Peter. Because God says, I'm not finished with you yet, Peter. And God isn't finished with any of you or any of your relatives or friends and all of that. God isn't finished with anybody. We give up on ourselves and we give up on God before God ever gives up on any of us. And so Jude is just sort of, remember, Jude grew up with Jesus. He was his brother. He was one of the children of Joseph and Mary. And he understands this whole idea of getting back up again because remember, Jude and none of his brothers believed in Jesus till after the resurrection. And Jude, I'm sure, looked at his own life over and over again and thought, wow, God, you were so gracious to me that you allowed me to get back up after all those years of not believing in you. And you allowed me to not only that, but to be part of your plan and to actually write a book that was going to be contained in your holy word throughout all eternity. Wow, God, what an amazing God. And so Jude says, we need to bless our God because he has the power to enable us to persevere 
I hope you believe that today. And if you do, then we should be saying amen to that and we should be praising the Lord for it. Secondly, Jude says we bless our God because he has the power to make us stand before him. Notice, now to the one who is able to keep you from falling and to cause you to stand rejoicing without blemish before his glorious presence. We stand before God. In fact, if you're here today and you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are standing before God right now in grace and in a righteousness that was provided for us through Jesus Christ, not our own. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And in the book of Romans, listen to these verses. Therefore, since we have been declared righteous by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. I hope you know you are standing this morning. And our ability to stand before God, a holy God, is not due to our own righteousness, our own merit, our own good works. It is simply due to the fact that we have placed our confidence and our faith and our trust in the work of Jesus Christ and in his righteousness. And that's why we stand. But notice Jude goes beyond the present. Jude says that God has the power to glorify us one day and to transform us so that we not only can stand now, but so he says one day we will stand before him in glory. Years ago, Mercy Me wrote that song, I, I Can Only Imagine What It Will Be Like When We Finally Stand Before or See Jesus. You know, will, will we bow? Will we do? Well, I'm sure there's going to be lots of things that we might do at that moment or past that moment. But one thing we will definitely do is we will stand. Because God is able to make us stand before him in all his glory. That's amazing when you think about it. I'm not going to, you know, cower before him. I'm not going to be ashamed. I'm going to stand, and you're going to stand before him. Not only that, Jude says, but notice, there will be rejoicing at that moment. It's exactly what Jesus says when he says, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. In your presence, the Bible says, is fullness of joy. There will be joy, pure joy, like never before when we stand before Jesus Christ one day. Not only that, but you know what else this teaches us? That not only will we be full of joy, it tells us that God is going to be rejoicing over us when we stand before him. Think about that. Jesus is going to be filled with joy when he finally welcomes us to heaven and he sees us. Think about that even when you have a loved one or a friend that knew the Lord that went on to be with him that they are welcomed with unbelievable joy and rejoicing. It's like you're home. You're home. And then it goes beyond that. Jude says, oh, and by the way, God alone is able to make us not only stand before him in glory, 
rejoicing, but notice the next phrase, without blemish. Doesn't that remind you of the Old Testament sacrificial system when they had to go out and look for, you know, animals that were without spot, without blemish in order to sacrifice them to the Lord because they were to be the very best. And one day, because of God's transforming power, not because of anything in us, we will stand before the Lord and there will not be a fault, a blemish, or anything in us. Again, because we are robed in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Can I say amen to that? Yes. And Jude is just overwhelmed by this. The fact that not only are we going to stand, but that all of our sin, every failure, every time we, you know, fell in this life, gone, forgiven, wiped out, thrown into the depths of the sea, never to be brought up anymore. That's what a child of God gets to look forward to. And then he goes on to say, before his glorious presence. There's not much I can say to that. that that's beyond me to even explain. All I know is that the Bible says that we need to consider that our present sufferings, whatever they are, will not even be worthy to be compared to the glory that one day will be revealed to us when we get there. Romans 8.18 is where that's found. And I love this too because this reminds us that again, God never gives up on us. It's why Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6, I am sure of this very thing, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. And that's why we will one day be able to stand rejoicing and without blemish before his glorious presence. And that's why John even writes, children, we are God's children now, and all that we will be has not been totally revealed. But we know this, when we see him, we will be like him, for we will see him as he is, 1 John 3, verse 2. See, God has the power to be able to transform us to be like Jesus Christ. Amazing. And so Jude says, why do I not live a life to bless God? to praise him, to adore him. First of all, he says, he has the power to enable me to persevere on earth. And one day he has the power to enable me to make me stand before him. Third, we bless our God because he is the only God and he is the only Savior. Verse 25. Now this is neither truth that is politically correct today and even unfortunately in a lot of churches and denominations even theologically correct today to say that God God the Father God the Son God the Holy Spirit as revealed in the Bible is the only God but that's the truth that's the truth that's what God himself has revealed I am the only God in fact, Paul said in 1 Timothy, there is one God and one mediator between God and men, and that is the man, Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 2, verse 5. And the reason that this is significant is because if he is the only God, we should live as if he's the only God. What do I mean by that? That means that our life should be focused 
on exalting and worshiping and praising and living for the only God. Even as Christians, many times, though, there's so many idols in our life, so many things that take God's place that are more important, that take priority over God. And yet Jude says, there is no other God. He's it. And therefore, our life should be aligned accordingly because he is the only God. But Jude says also we bless him because he's not only the only God, he's the only Savior. And the great thing about that is, is yes, he's the only God, but he's a saving God. He's a delivering God. He's a rescuing God. He's a God that doesn't want to leave us in the condition that we find ourselves in. And especially when we were sinners apart from God, alienated from God, with no hope apart from him. And God reached out to us through Jesus Christ and came to this earth and did everything he could do to bring us back to himself. And even after we are a Christian, God still rescues us. He still delivers us. He still enables us to persevere and get back up from our failings and our fallings throughout life. And Jude says, shouldn't we bless our God because he is a saint? God could have left Adam and Eve in the condition they were in and just left them die and go out into eternity without him. And just said, I'm done with mankind. That was a sort of a nice experiment, but I'm done. No. Remember, God came looking for them after they fell. In fact, we're going to talk about that in a couple weeks when we get into our series in Genesis. The Bible says, neither is there salvation in any other name, for there is no other name given among men under heaven whereby we must be saved Peter declared that in the book of Acts, chapter 4, verse 12. Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. He is the only Savior. You, you can try to find salvation and, and rescue and deliverance through any other means or any other person, but the only one that can truly deliver us and rescue us and has the power to transform us is Jesus Christ. And therefore, we should bless our God because he is the only God and he is the only Savior. Then Jude says, we bless our God because all that we are and all that we have is only through Jesus Christ. Don't miss those three very important words. To the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ. That's why Jesus told his own followers, remain in me, abide in me in John 15, because unless you are attached to the vine as the branch, you can't do anything. You're trying to do it on your own, and I have the power, and I'm the one who's able to enable you to do whatever you need to do, whatever I ask you to do. It is only through Jesus Christ that we were created in the first place. We didn't create ourselves, and we certainly didn't, like science teaches, just come by accident and by chance. We're just here because certain molecules and things got together and just happened to form life. 
No, we were a special creation of God. But it was only because Jesus Christ created us. And we're only saved because Jesus Christ saved us. And we only live because Jesus Christ gives us the breath and keeps our heart beating. Everything is through Jesus Christ. We only conquer in life through Jesus Christ. We only overcome through Jesus Christ. And so that's why he's saying we bless our God because we need to recognize and acknowledge that all that we have and all that we are is really through Jesus Christ alone. That's why Paul came to the realization when he said to the Romans in Romans 7:25, "Oh wretched man that I am, who's going to rescue me from this body of death?" He says, "Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Through Jesus Christ." Paul went on to say to the Philippians, "I can do all things, what? Through Christ who strengthens me." See, all through the Bible, it's like we have to recognize that it's through Jesus Christ. And again, the sad thing is there's so many Christians who say, I, I know Jesus, I have him as my Savior, and yet every day they're not living through Christ. And yet everything that they would ever need, everything that they would ever want is going to come through Jesus Christ. Just remain attached to that vine and you'll find the life of God flowing in and through you every day. It will supernaturally enable you and I to live a life we could never live on our own apart from Jesus. Again, it's so tragic that people come to know the Lord as their Savior, and it's almost like then they're done with God. It's like, okay, God, I got that box checked off. He's my savior. Now I'm going to go on living my life the way I want in my own power and my own wit and wisdom and all that. And it's like we miss the fact that he saved us so that he could be with us, so that he could support us and help us and enable us and encourage us and strengthen us every day, every moment of the day. And it only comes through Jesus Christ. And then the substance of this doxology is really the last part of verse 25, where he says, To God be glory and majesty and power and authority before all time and now and into all eternity. Let me just quickly define these words or give you another definition. The word glory means worth. It means to acknowledge the worth of God. When we give God glory, we are saying, God, you're worthy. I recognize your worth, your value. And so I'm giving you glory, and I'm living for your glory, God. We'll get back to that in just a minute. Majesty could also be defined as his greatness. When we sing about the majesty of God, we're saying, God, you are great. We sang about that this morning. Great are you, Lord. A great hymn of the faith. How great thou art. That is majesty. Acknowledging and recognizing the greatness of God. Power, well, his strength, his ability that we acknowledge and recognize that he is the one who is able. And then his authority this not only speaks about his sovereignty, but I like this word, his weightiness. You know, we, we use that concept. Like when we say, you know, whatever some, certain people say carries weight, 
either because of their position or the power that they wield or maybe even the influence that they have in our life, that we respect them in such a way that when they speak to us, their words carry weight. Well, Jude is saying God's words should be the weightiest because he's God. That what he says to us should, should really cause us to, to pay attention because it's God who is speaking. Way more than, and I know I'm dating myself here using this commercial, but way more than E.F. Hutton <laughs> when he speaks. Everyone pays attention, right? Well, Jude is saying when we acknowledge God's authority, we are acknowledging his weightiness. And then he goes on to talk about his eternality. He says, and, and let's remember, God has always been, is, and always will be. So what's he saying here? Well, he's saying we bless our God because of his inherent worthiness. I've shared this with you before. When we praise God, we are not giving him something that he doesn't have. We are acknowledging something about him that he already is. We simply are to praise and bless and adore God because he's worthy of it. Not even because of anything that he's done, even though isn't it interesting that in this doxology, which is a word of praise and adoration and blessing directed toward God, that even in this doxology, we are reminded of the way God blesses us. Very interesting, isn't it? It's almost like, again, when we redirect ourselves around God, then we start to realize all that we are and all that we have in God, which is why Jude ends it this way. Because the people that he's writing to really need to hear this. Because they're going through some times that are just shaking them. People are leaving the church. False teachers and false prophets have come in and spread this false doctrine. And there's all kinds of confusion in, in, with people in the church and stuff. And it's troubled times. And Jude says there's nothing that will settle us as the people of God than making sure that we get our focus back on God. That we exalt him, that we worship him so that we ourselves then can be anchored. How I want to leave this message with us today, though, is in this way. And this is so important. Please, please listen to these next few words. When God becomes displaced or decentralized in our lives, we lose our ability to interpret and navigate life. That's, again, why Jude wants to bring us back to God here at the end of his letter. When God becomes displaced or decentralized in our life, we lose our ability to interpret and navigate life. See, God has to be the center. He's got to be the priority. When he's not, even for those who claim to be followers of God, when something happens to us or someone else in our life, we do not have the ability to properly interpret it. Why? Because we start looking at things as if we are the center or someone else is the center of it all. And that 
that our glory or someone else's glory is the most important thing rather than God being at the center of everything and his glory being our burning desire. That's why even many Christians, beyond those that aren't Christians, sometimes something will happen. God doesn't work in this way or that way and, and God disappointed me or I'm angry with God because he allowed this to happen or that to happen or he didn't do this. And we wonder, why do we get to those points where we interpret things differently? Because God no longer has become the center of everything. God is not, uh, his glory is not what's most important to us anymore. It's something else. And so we fail to be able to interpret things in a proper way because we've moved God to the side. And obviously, based upon what Judas said too, then we won't have the ability or the strength or all of that that comes from God keeping him at the center of our lives to be able to navigate life truly successfully and rise above the circumstances or situations we find ourselves in. Why? Because we're going to try to do it on our own. Or we're going to try to look to another human being to do it for us or with us rather than primarily getting what we need from God, who is the only one who is truly able. And that, again, is why Jude ends the book the way he does. Because this is a message that his readers, whoever the, were the recipients of this letter, they needed to hear and be reminded of. Because for whatever reason, God had become displaced and decentralized in the life of that church and of many of those believers' lives. And Jude is saying, let's bring it back. Let's refocus. Let's get our eyes back on God. And let's begin to exalt him. And let's begin to live for his glory. And let's begin to worship and praise him. Him and make him the priority of our life. And when we do that, everything else then will start to fall into its proper place and we'll have the ability from God to be able to interpret things in a proper way. Because it will no longer be about my glory or anybody else's glory. It will be about God's glory and what brings him glory throughout all eternity. Would you stand with me? We're going to spend some time as we end today blessing, adoring, and praising our God. And so I hope that the message today just inspires and motivates us that this isn't the end. We don't want you leaving. <laughs> we want you staying engaged because this is very important. Why? Because God created us to respond to him. And this isn't the time to now disconnect because the message is over. This is the time to continue to press toward God and to draw near to him and let him draw us closer to him. To make him the very center. To take the time to realize, God, all that I have. You enable me to to persevere in this life. You're going to one day enable me to stand before you rejoicing and without blemish before your glorious presence. I bless you because you're the only God and you're my Savior, my Rescuer, my Deliverer. I bless you, God, because all that I am and all that I have is only through Jesus Christ. And I bless you, God, because you are worthy 
you're worthy of my praise. Let's praise the Lord today. Let's lift it up to him this morning.